parables of the Bible. I do hope that you're enjoying this series and not just hearing the stories that we so often read in the Bible, but the, the meaning behind those, because I'm not sure that it really does us any good if we just read and say, oh, that's a nice story or that's kind of cute. But when we allow the Spirit of God to take God's Word and do that work in us, that's when it becomes transformational. And that's the whole idea. And remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And today, the one we're going to look at, I want you to notice the intent. I want you to notice the intentionality of the parable we're going to look at in Luke, and then we're going to follow through that with some information in Scripture from John 15. But the whole point of this is Father God, who created us, who has given to us everything for life and godliness, Father God desires that our lives are fruitful. In other words, we're not here just to suck up air, consume food, and then one day perish. But he really created every one of us uniquely and amazingly in such a way that our life benefits his world in whatever way he chooses to do that. Now, let me be very careful to explain this. It's when we do it his way. Oh my, we do get in trouble there sometimes, don't we? Because we're so sadly like the prophet Isaiah says, those sheep who chose to go their own way. Let's don't be those. Let's be the ones that choose his way instead. So look at the scripture. And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which he had been which had been planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. Okay, so let's pause there. In the parable, God is the one and he comes to my life and your life looking for what? Yeah, fruit. Looking for fruit. And what's it say? There wasn't any. Ooh. Think about that just for a second. Let it, let it kind of hang there. So Father God, who has done all that he has done for me, and he comes to my life, having provided everything in my life for life and for godliness, and he says, I'm looking for something to be revealed in your life that demonstrates all that I've done has had a purpose. That resonate? And what's he find? Our prayer is fruit. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the objective here. That's the plan. That's the goal. That's how this works. Let's keep going. And he said to the vineyard keeper, behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit. How many years? Three years. So it isn't that he's being rash. He's just saying, I've given this tree some time to accomplish the purpose for which it was created. Ding, 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 ding. He gives all of us time to accomplish the purpose for which we are created. 
but I haven't found any. Again, as I read that, it's just, that's one of those heartbreaks. Really, Father, you came to my life looking for the results of all that you placed in me and all you've done for me, and you found nothing? Notice how he takes the next step. Cut it down. And notice what it says after that. Why does it even use up the ground? You know, if you have a tree planted, it's always taking nutrients out of the ground. Those of us who are planted in Christ, we should be consistently receiving the nutrients. And that's why we're going to go to John 15 a little bit. All the necessities of life from him. But this this story, this parable, to me, is, it's like slap in the face, whatever you want to call it. Where God is saying, listen, listen, I created you for purpose, for reason, so that the life that I placed in you will be demonstrated in such a way that I will get the glory, I will get the praise, I will get the honor. And he answered and said to him, let alone, this is the, the worker now, let alone for this year too, until I dig around it, put in fertilizer, and then if it doesn't bear fruit next year, fine, we'll cut it down. I don't want that judgment of God on my life. And, and see, when we talk about this stuff, it's, it's sometimes imperative to be reminded, this is not talking about just persons like myself who have been called into ministry. This is every person who has been birthed into the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit of God, all because of what Jesus Christ did for us, and then how that life is lived out in whatever venue he has given us to live in. And just so you know, there's no exceptions. This is for every person. This is not for the spiritual elite. This is for every person to walk this out. So let's go to one of my favorite scripture. I hope it is yours. And I only did eight verses, but I could have done the whole chapter, obviously. But John 15. I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. When we find scripture like this, it should cause us to pause and to contemplate. Does Father God, who is the vine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, that he takes it away? What does that mean he takes it away? And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear fruit more fruit. Now, 
if you understand something about vineyards, and I'm going to tell you what I know I have read, I have not experienced. And so I'm having to take someone else else's word for this. But my understanding, and then going back to the original language, bears it out. That when the vine dresser, the father, is talking about the branch that does not bear fruit, there's a season where the vine dresser allows the grapevine to grow along the ground. The problem with that is that it gets dirty and gets contaminated and it needs to be dressed up. And so that season comes where the vine dresser and the laborers go to the vineyard and they take the time, the painstaking time, to wash it and clean it. And it's already began to uh, grow its own roots, as it were. So they're, they're pulling that up and cutting that off and trimming things. And then you go to the top of the vine and there's these vines are producing all sorts of fruit. But the vine dresser says, oh, but I want more than what you're producing. Does anybody here think God has the right to expect that of us? Well, if you don't, I'm sorry. He does, okay? And, and here's, here's the other thing, too. When you think of the vine, the vine dresser coming and accomplishing either one of these tasks... Whichever one he's doing, he is using an instrument that's going to inflict some pain. Now, it's all about fruit. That's the ultimate. It's all about fruit. It's all about him receiving, as it were, back from us a return on his investment, if you want to call it that. But he loves us so much when he says, in me, every branch in me. Every branch in me. I mean, how many of you have ever been encouraged by God that God has just, you've been down, so down, kind of like this vine, and you, you feel like you've been in the dirt, and, and you've just, all this stuff's on top of you, and you feel so dirty and so contaminated and so messed up, and, and somehow God supernaturally or God supernaturally through another human being comes along and just lifts you up and cleans you up and gets you going. Isn't that sweet? That's the sweetness of our God. How much he loves us and how much he cares and he's all about bearing this fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now, remember in John 15, he's talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows that. And so, He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. In other words, it is the word that Jesus speaks that cleans up their lives. And guess what? This is God's preferred pruning instrument. This is God's preferred instrument for working in our lives. In fact, in the original language, the word for clean and the word for prune is the same. And so all of this is God loving, loving, loving us to such an incredible capacity that he's taking his word, the Holy Spirit is empowering that word that is now in our lives and he just begins to do that incredible transformation. You know, the word says that we're new creatures in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. I got to tell you, from my life and where I came from, I'm delighted 
that he did that. I really am. And all of us in here, I'm sure at least most of us have a story like that where we would say that was the life. Uh, someone said it yesterday. That was, that was life B.C., before Christ. That's what that was. And I'm so glad that life before Christ has now gone. And now I have that life in Christ. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, because abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. To abide. What is that? It's a simple word of just living there. Being there. Being attached to the vine. Being that recipient of all the nutrient, all the grace, all the goodness, all the perfection of God being poured into my life every day of my life. And as a result of that, I realize that unless I abide in him, I don't have those resources. Is, is it possible that we have people in churches today that the reason their lives are so contradictory to the word of God? I mean, it, it, it continues to amaze me, and I've been at this a while. It continues to amaze me how people will, and, and some of them know the word. And, and they will so live contrary to what God says in his word and then have the audacity, the audacity to say, oh, I'm doing what God wants me to do. No, you're not. You're a rebel. You're rebelling against God. When I was a young Christian, I come from a family of eight kids, mom and dad, ten of us. And I am new in the Lord, and I am on fire. I got to tell you, it was amazing. Sad thing was, when you're on fire, sometimes you burn folks. You don't mean to, but you do. And I'll never forget, I was home visiting one time. You have to understand, we only went home like once a year, so it was rare to be there with family. And yet, in one of our times together with my family, one of my sisters says to the whole group, that here's what she's planning to do. And she's planning to do with her life what she's going to do because that's what God wants her to do. I was so young and so dumb. I landed flat-footed in the center of mom and dad's living room floor and began to preach to my sister about how far wrong she was in what she called for her life the will of God, which was so obviously contrary to the word of God, it wasn't even funny. Now, I say that I'm sharing that with you because there's a way to do this with grace. And that wasn't it. And as a result, it took a while for me to win my family back over. So when we encounter those folks, and we will, living in this world, that are saying one thing, living something else. There's a way for us to, do with, to deal with them with the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing that it all comes back to. You know, that day, I, I truly believed I was expressing concern and love for my sister, at least in my mind, but I really alienated her from my life by the approach that I took. 
But it's always back to this. Abide in me and I in you. So the question for us is, Jesus Christ in his fullness, in his person, living in me through the work and accomplishment of the Holy Spirit, is this the way he would do this? Is this the way he would have this relationship? Is this the way he would handle this business? Is this the way he would forgive others who have done him wrong? That's how we get to the end of the question. Or maybe it's how would he be willing in the Father to produce fruit that honors God? But unless you abide in me, unless you abide in the vine, there's no real fruit. And see, in our churchy religious world today, we can put on a pretty good show. We can do some stuff. And, and often we do it for the wrong motive. We do it for our ego. We do it for recognition. We do it, you know, all those things that can be so totally op- opposite to God. And yet in our mind, we can, we can believe I'm doing, th- I'm doing the right thing. And that's when it gets a little sticky and say, but what's your motive? What's the why of what you're doing? Not just what you're doing. Because it all goes back to this in the sense that we are connected with him I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I am him and I in him, he bears much fruit. God has the right to be the fruit inspector of our lives. So why don't we just pause and ask the Holy Spirit of God to inspect our fruit today? Would you be okay with that? We've got a couple nods. I don't know why I'm sensing we're not all in on this yet. Maybe I need to finish that sentence. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. The religion of our world says, if you do all these things, then that will get you to God. But Christianity says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. And that being the case, the only way we come to him is as the Holy Spirit brings us in through Christ. And we realize that now because we are in him, there will be fruit. There will be labor. There will be service. It's not the other way around. I'm not trying to please him to get in because I'm in based on what he has done. It is my delight and my joy to bring pleasure to my God and to be reminded over and over again as I get up every day, Lord, I know I can't do anything today apart from you. Now, does that mean I can't go to work, I can't eat. I know it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, we can do those and we should do those every day. But it means the things that are of value to God, the things that really produce fruit that is fruit that remains because it's eternal. It's because we have invested 
into the lives of the people that God has brought into our path in whatever circumstance. And that's why I so love, I so love 1 Corinthians 15, 10, where Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God, and I do what I do by the grace of God. Because I know that's my testimony. I know that's my testimony. I know that's true for my life. Because I know who I was, what I was before Jesus Christ came in. And I celebrate every day the privilege of being connected to him and receiving from him all that he gives in such abundance and such and so freely and so that I don't want to be that tree. I don't want to be that tree that's just sitting there sucking up the nutrients. I don't want to be that person who's just sitting there sucking up all the nutrients and all the benefits. I don't want to be that person. I'm, I'm talking for Steve. I hope I'm talking for some of you. I don't want to be that person that's so doggone lazy and so doggone stingy in the kingdom of God that others are having to compensate for my lack of willingness, my lack of generosity, my lack of service. And I'll give this to you very clearly. In a church family this size, which I think is an amazing, wonderful size for church family in America today. When all of us are doing the things that God's given us to do and he's gifted us to do, nothing gets left undone. When all of us are giving as we should, nothing gets left unpaid. Is that not incredible? I uh, wasn't going to do this. I don't usually use my phone, but I'll... I have a friend called Dr. Sam Thomas. He sends me text on a very regular basis. This is the one I got yesterday. Leviticus 17.3 If any man from the house of Israel who slaughters an ox and has not brought it to the doorway of the tent of meeting... And that's the scripture. Here's his comments. He can get a little long, just so you know. There were those who were seeking to establish their own religion and not bringing their offerings to the tent of meeting. When someone was practicing the faith as a private practice, they're doing so in defiance of the design for accountability and as a barrier to heresy. The constraining influence of the church is such an important part of our walk. We need the people of God in our lives. We need to be accountable to and present with the people of God so that we are practicing our faith in accordance with the biblical mandate and that we do not find ourselves drifting from the faith and fashioning our faith according to our design and desire and not according to God's. Anyone who says they do not need the church is expressing arrogance, ignorance, and defiance. They are saying that they know better than the scripture what is best. And they are choosing to live their life without accountability and direction from God, nor submit to the leadership and counsel of the church of the people of God. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves from the church. We need the church. 
we are commanded to be corrected with the, excuse me connected with the church and we are in need of the correction and the direction that comes from fellowship with the people of God so if you're out there in the field doing your own thing it's time for you to return to the tent of meeting and when i read that i consider reading and just kind of waffled i guess but felt like you i wanted you to hear it My prayer is that nobody who just heard me say that is in that condition. Because I have a pastor's heart. And every one of us, every one of us, it matters not our age, it matters not our intellect, it matters not our social standing. Every one of us are in need of being connected to the vine receiving from him and as we do this collectively together it creates such an amazing picture to our world that is darker and darker every day that there's a light and there's a witness and there's a reality of God that he put in place on the day of Pentecost when he established the church and how we do that together we love together We pray together, we worship together, we serve together, we give together. All of it is the celebration of being attached. And we're just all intricately involved with one another. And to be reminded, I can do nothing apart from him. You can do nothing apart from him. So the question is, how well are we connected? I heard a speaker yesterday, never heard them before. And they said something I thought was quite interesting. They said, for, and they were Baptocostal. You know what a Baptocostal is? You know, they were saying my mom was Baptist, my dad was Pentecostal. So they said I was raised Baptocostal. And they said, I never remember hearing this teaching. I never remember hearing this teaching. But somehow I came to this belief that if I read my Bible, if I prayed, if I attended the church services, and if I gave, everything in life would be wonderful. They said, they said I don't even know how I got there. But I did. But as I grew in Christ and realized, wait a minute, that's not how this works. It works in the fact that God so loves us. He so absolutely loves us that he's giving us everything for life and godliness. But then he's giving us the opportunity to express that. For example, he says he gives us faith. If we never have a situation where faith is required, what good is it? He gives us peace. If we never go through a circumstance that will absolutely jar our world, Turn it upside down, inside out. Why would we ever need peace that passes the understanding of man? And yet, and yet, I have the incredible joy as I talk to so many Christians all the time when they'll tell me the difficulties and circumstances and all they've been going through, and they will say, But I have peace. I have peace. So you can't measure that stuff out. It's not tangible. But oh, it's so amazing and wonderful 
Or how about the, the person's life that you've been maybe in some way connected to and you watch them go through a circumstance and, and they just handle it so well in the grace of God. In fact, if you didn't know them and know what they were going through, you wouldn't know that they were. Because the presence of God is so real. They're connected to the vine. Are all those things necessary? Yes, of course they are. The word of God, prayer. We talk about cleansing here. Prayer, fellowship, all this is part of it. But it all goes back to who I am in Christ. You heard those songs at the very beginning. It's who I am in Christ. Maybe I should say it like this. The being, being who we are in Christ comes first. And then the doing supernaturally flows out of us. And we may be those who get those great big assignments somewhere. Wonderful if you do. But for most of us, it's just those 10,000 little things that we do every week, every month as we spend our time with God. And live in that relationship, that abiding with Him, that living with Him, that communing with Him, knowing Jesus, getting Him every day, saying, Lord, <laughs> I can't do anything without you. But oh, I'm so happy that I have you. And that's why I know, I know, I know I can carry out the will and the purpose that you have for my life. For if you do not abide in me, he says, you'll be thrown out, dried up, and they gather them and cast them to the fire and they're burned. Now, what's that mean? That means when we're not living that connection, we, it, this is not loss of salvation, just so you know. We're so removed from what God has for us. It's a tragedy that our lives have no benefit and they're just cast aside. I did not mean to let my voice get that low right there. Let me back up. If we are choosing not to live out the purpose and plan that he has for our lives, we have this disconnect with God. Again, not losing salvation, but we have this disconnect from God where all the resources that are there and so available are now not being given. And it was our choice, not his. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us in such a capacity that the only way we can have that is what it says in Romans 5, 5, that the Holy Spirit takes the love of God, puts it in our hearts, and then from there it's shed abroad. We don't even have that. We can have human emotion. We can have human attraction and human affection. But that love, the love of God, can only come that way. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. What? That you bear much fruit and you prove, we prove, that we are his disciples. Would you stand? Holy Spirit, we're so glad you're here. In each of our lives, those of us who know you. And we're so delighted that your word, Father, is real to us and transformational for us every day. And I pray for every person, every one of us, that we would be reminded that we're connected with you. We can do nothing apart from you. We do it all as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want my life to bear much fruit. 
And you're the measure of that fruit. I want my life to prove to those that I encounter, wherever I encounter them, that I belong to you, that I am your disciple, that your gift to me of salvation, your promise to me of lordship, and your work in me of the Holy Spirit is not being wasted, but is being counted as valuable in your kingdom and let it please, please, please be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.